The Christian Atheist is also available on YouTube, and you will find other great content, including the literature I frequently refer to, on our Simple Gifts podcast. If you find our content helpful, consider supporting us through PayPal at romanschapter5 at comcast.net. Welcome to the Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 31, What is an Atheist? Part 4. In 2010, Craig Greshel published a book titled The Christian Atheist, Believing in God but Living as if He Doesn't Exist. Until last episode of The Christian Atheist, I was only vaguely aware of Greshel's book. I looked it up this week. His thesis is that those who claim to be Christians, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, should have actions that match their claim. And if they don't, they are acting atheists. The complement of Greshel's thesis would be someone claiming atheism while living as if God exists. Those who know my story will catch the resonance here, and also note the presence of Sartre and bad faith on both sides. In choosing the Christian atheist moniker, we wanted to play both sides of this tension. As it turns out, the definition for atheism proposed last edition, as we will look at it today, is very much in line with Greshel's thesis and my own evolving understanding of theism. In fact, consideration of this simple attempt to define atheism has opened a thought vista for me, and I can't yet see its end. To clarify the point, we began with a definition proposed by atheists, that atheism is a, quote, lack of belief in a god or gods. I then argued that this cannot logically mean a passive lack, an unawareness of the notion of theism. Not even the most recalcitrant atheist could honestly claim such ignorance. If, however, we understand lack of belief as an active belief structure, as choice in the face of theistic assertion, then the proposition that atheism is a lack of belief in God or gods can be understood as living, choosing, acting, as if God does not exist. Picking up then, where we left off last time, defining atheism as living as if God does not exist may solve some problems, but it also raises new ones. It solves, for instance, the immediate epistemic problem as what we say, think, or believe in the purely epistemic meaning of this term is in some way irrelevant to atheism on this definition. Atheists, then, would not be, as they claim, religious believers, as they would not be acceding to or denying a creed, but rather living as if there is no God or gods. So long as we can effectively divide creed and action, they succeed in avoiding the charge of faith. Given the nature of the definition, what we say and claim to believe or not believe may be in complete opposition to how we act. So this definition of atheism can equally well apply to the Christian atheist of Greshel's book as to a self-proclaimed atheist. It is, in that sense, an objective and not a subjective determinant. 
one is an atheist if one lives as if God does not exist, whether you call yourself a Christian or an atheist, and not an atheist if one does not live that way. Likewise, it excuses the atheist from the linguistic games in the debate. An atheist need not seek to prove or even provide evidence that there is no God, as propositional statements have no bearing on what makes an atheist an atheist. It is how one lives life that is decisive. However, what does it mean to live as if God does not exist? Can actions alone indicate a lack of belief in God? Perhaps they can, but we must understand action properly first. The question is, how does one act if God does not exist? Is it the case that, as Dostoevsky asserted, if there is no God, all things are permissible? Does the atheist then live by impulse, ignoring all ethical constraint, ignoring the human reality of morality? I have argued elsewhere that ethics is not, in fact, destroyed by embracing atheism. Any more than if we reject a creator, the universe ceases to exist. All the self-proclaimed atheists I know enthusiastically embrace ethics, many being more ethically concerned than religious believers. But they explain ethics or justify it without reference to transcendent validation. There are, thus, two ways of understanding the atheist position toward ethics. One, living as if ethics is merely conventional, effectively the position philosophers call moral relativism, and two, embracing ethics as meaningful, obligatory in some sense, while denying transcendent validation of them. We can see both of these possibilities as consonant with this definition, I think. Is there a difference between them? As a biblical statement parallel to this definition, I would propose the words of Psalm 10.4. God is not in all his thoughts. I think that both these understandings are definitionally atheist, as both depend upon a denial of God in the thoughts that motivate action in the world. An active denial of God is certainly in an abandonment of oneself to impulse. Psalm 10.13 says, He won't call me to account. It is likewise in the attempt to explain things, such as ethics, without reference to God. As Christopher Hitchens said in the Biola debate, here's what we argue. We argue quite simply that all observable phenomena are explicable without the hypothesis of God. God is not necessary to explain things at the mechanistic level. Atheism, then, becomes the active impulse to deny God any place in human thought and action, to live as if God does not exist. Where others assert theism, the atheist denies it. The thesis and antithesis of Hegelian dialectic. For every theistic explanation, the atheist denies God as useful or necessary explanands for every explanandum. Again, 
NIV this time, in his thoughts there is no room for God. We must note, however, that in the preceding, we are slipping back into thoughts and beliefs, stepping away from a pure notion of living as if God does not exist. Have we simply returned to a creedal definition of atheism? I think not. This slipping, however, has something important to tell us. It is not accidental, but essential to the sort of beings we are if the analysis of consciousness we developed in our series on ethics, podcast episodes 18 through 22, is correct. To live or act as a human being means rational choice, calculation based on thoughts, beliefs, and values. Our proposed definition of atheism is not so much wrong as in need of clarification. We cannot abstract action, that is, living as a human being, from the concrete totality of human reason. Action is rationality in application. All rationality, as we understand it, is embodied. To live as if God does not exist, then, necessarily involves the beliefs and thoughts from which actions spring. This is not surprising from an historical perspective, as all philosophy seems to idealize a unity of thought and action. We call this integrity. Living as a human being is connecting thought and action. But what we think and believe is not always clear, even, perhaps especially, to ourselves, as psychological research reveals. I am arguing, then, that it is impossible to separate the epistemic and the action components of this definition. But if we allow the definition to slide toward a dialectical process, a developmental unfolding of meaning, I think this definition holds promise, and might even be a definition atheists could adopt as a superior understanding of their own position, though it cannot, ultimately, change the fact that atheism is a faith compound. If we view atheism, consistently with all we've said, as the moving away from a theistic practice and toward an atheistic practice, viewing it as a continuum rather than as discrete positions, we might consider the theist-atheist continuum a conscious tendency rather than merely a belief system. What I am suggesting is that we all, theists and atheists, stop thinking of the debate in terms of mere belief systems, propositional assertions to which we give mental assent, and begin to think in terms of integrated human thought practice. I find this notion fascinating and oddly consonant with a biblical notion of faith. It is probably worth saying, too, that I am segregating theism and Christianity here. To believe in God is not equivalent to believing in Christ. There is more in the latter than the former, though, of course, no less. Christianity is a part of a broader tradition of theism that stretches back into prehistory, long before Jesus' advent, Judaism, and Abraham. It seems to me that we might all, theists and atheists, 
agree that atheism is best defined as the process of seeking to live as human beings in such a way that theism is unnecessary, both theoretically and practically. Put in a more active terminology, we might say that atheism is the conscious attempt to purge theism from all functional human practice, thought, and action. I am seeking a consensus position in this definition. As a former atheist, I can foresee one objection that I would have raised. I would not have represented my atheism to myself or others as an active urge to purge God, but rather as a passive reception of God's non-existence. This is why I tried to present both an active and passive version of the definition, a continuum on which different atheists might find themselves represented. The more passive version fits with a resigned, even regretful attempt to live in and explain the world without God, while the more active version represents those who cheerfully, like Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, and even more radical atheist voices, to celebrate a world devoid of theism, arguing that it would be a better world, one which we should actively pursue. The more passionately one seeks to purge God from life, the more robustly atheist one would be on the continuum. Regardless, though, what is shared is the commitment to acting, the concrete unity of epistemic states, explanation and rational choice, and action in the world, as if God is not. Finally, we can extend this continuum all the way from atheism toward a robust theist position. Everyone, then, would fall somewhere on this spectrum. The zero point on the continuum would be agnosticism. Theism would extend progressively in the opposing direction. The more robustly one lived as if God existed, conceived as a more and more tightly integrated life totality of rational commitment and practical action, the more one would truly believe in God. I think this definition successfully avoids the traps atheism fell into in previous definitions. I have given an honest effort to steel man the atheist perspective here, at least definitionally. One caution from me on this definition. I have alluded above to its Hegelian nature, that it takes the form of dialectical logic. One of the great advantages to Hegel's logic is that it allows us to present humanity in its narrative reality as filled with contradiction, alteration, and change. Hegelian logic presents a process metaphysics in which an idea and its contradiction come together in a higher, mediated reality. Its advantage over Aristotelian logic is that it accounts for identity through change. Dialectical logic, that is, is a logic of dynamism, in which no limit is absolute, whereas Aristotelian logic is a logic of being, of absolute limits and ultimate realities. I find Hegel's logic useful, brilliant, even true in a limited fashion, but also dangerously inadequate, deceptive, and seductive. Hegel is for me the author 
of the progressive suicide of the West over the last century and a half. I would need to expand upon these thoughts in future editions of The Christian Atheist, but for now, I simply note that however beneficial we might find this definition, it is lacking something of vital importance, the absolute limits within which the theist-atheist continuum must be contained. In emphasizing the process of becoming, it lacks the necessary restraint of being, of truth. I am a Christian, with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.